Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. From Riverwalk Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the cube, the cube, the cube, the cube, the cube. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 65 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. And Brendan, this is unusual for us because we're actually drinking while we're recording. I think this is a first for us. Well, for you, I've but definitely yeah. showed up to a couple episodes. <laughs> but, but while we're actually recording, bar. we're drinking. Sure. And yes. so tell the listeners what we are drinking. In the plain and slain nature of things, yes. everyone yes. has, including Cindy, a pint of Guinness with a shot of Jameson honey whiskey in front of them and awesome. we'll we'll see where this goes. <laughs> I'm not sure what everyone's breakfast situation was. <laughs> yeah, awesome start. And happy new year to everybody. We are in the new year. Hello. And new year new me. <laughs> and was drink during all the shows now. <laughs> <laughs> Brendan, talk to us a little bit about some of the stuff, because we're going to kind of be all over the place, but certainly some interesting things we're going to talk about today. Uh, as per usual, we're suffering from a lack of content being put our way. We are going to talk about the Best Coast Pairings data in terms of who some of the most winningest armies were. In December. In December. Yeah. We're going to put our prognosticator hats on. We're going to talk about what we think Hedonites of Slanesh, the mortals, and the new book is going to look like. And we're going to talk about what we want to do here in 2021 with our hobby. Probably mostly our hobby. I don't know what Dan's list of of goals here are, but uh, we're going to try and keep it hobby-oriented. I think so. And then, you know, we're going to talk about the news. We're going to talk about what we've been reading and listening to and... And we have questions for each other. and Yeah, as usual. And the one other thing to just add to that is that I'm going to, in the scriptorium section for you reader people, talk about the Indominus era reading order because there's actually a lot more reading material for Indominus than people would think. And so I'm going to cover the main books because there are a lot of ones that have been to the side. But I want to kind of go into detail and give a recommendation in terms of reading order for some of the books that would help you put it all in perspective. That's it. So That's we're- a segment that I will be uh, silent for. So <laughs> Silent and drinking, yeah. <laughs> If you haven't finished that sucker off by then. Oh, this goes quickly, Dan. (laughs) Okay. With that, we are going to move to Whispers. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Brendan, it's hobby time. Hello. I finished my Bone Reapers. Awesome. Awesome. It's done. All like 6,000 and change points is done. I took a picture. I posted on Twitter. Follow me at hobby underscore bear. I like to post all the pictures of the things I'm working on. Other than that, I've been doing just some model building. Built a bunch of iron draws. I built some Slaves of Darkness stuff. I started putting paint on the Slaves of Darkness models. Got a a scheme that I kind of like. I'm trying to do most of it contrast. And there's some Mm. techniques with like the capes and some of the uh, like skins and furs where I'm trying to do like thin layers of contrast to build up color and create depth. Yes. Working on that a little bit. Yeah, I think that's where it's been for painting and hobbying and stuff like that. It's been pretty chill, as we'll talk about a little bit later. Most of my time has been playing video games. (laughs) So, Dan, what about you? Well, 
I got my Space Wolves Redemptor done, and I'm really happy with the way he came out. I, again, was using that Artist Opus kind of stippling slash dry brushing technique. He just turned out great, and I was really worried about the fact that 40K models are so much flat area mm-hmm. on things like the dreads and vehicles and stuff. I really like the technique. I like the layering that goes on and just the the way you use your brushes and everything. And so I'm happy about that and looking forward to my next Space Wolves thing because we're going to talk. That's one of my goals for the coming year. Uh, we'll talk about that a little later. But the next thing, I'm kind of torn between either working on an Invictus Walker okay. or my first unit ever of Thunderwolves, mm. Thunderwolf Cavalry. So we'll see where I go next. And then another hobby project, unusual and unrelated to Warhammer, Mm -hmm. is one of my guys had kind of a weird thing happen with him. He shot a buck. It's a 12-point buck. Beautiful set of antlers. But because of the day he did it or something else, he couldn't keep the horns. He couldn't keep the... You couldn't keep the body or anything. And so the game warden was going to come and take everything from him, but he convinced him to hold off, and he actually cast in plaster this entire rack. Mm. Now, this is the first time Nick has ever cast anything. The horns, you know, the antlers probably came in about a dozen different pieces. He just handed me these pieces and say, hey, can you put these pieces together and make them look like real deer Deer antlers? antlers? I am, first of all, having to put together the puzzle pieces, which is interesting. Then I've got to try to paint them at some level of realistic whatever, but that's going to be, that's probably a couple months project, but that's a pretty big deal. I spent a lot of time in the last week starting to work on it, and it's actually turned out pretty decent. I've been surprised. But the hardest part is like the upper and lower portions of the antlers, trying to get them to connect because the castings aren't exactly, you know, smooth transition Mm -hmm. so they're overcast in one direction or the other so you have to figure out how much to cut back and how much to make it fit you have to fill in and and angles smooth and and sand yeah so it's it's pretty intensive labor intensive but it'll be fun when it's done and it'll be kind of cool seeing it up on the wall and whatever else so that's pretty major thing for me but that's my hobby for now okay and i've got something in the long term again i'll talk when we talk about goals for 2021. So that's it for hobby for me. All right. Then we're going to move on. Uh, we mentioned last episode, Brendan, that there was a major retcon in 40K in the timeline to kind of reconcile the time between, you know, Robute Gilliman coming back and the Indominus Crusade and all those things. What I'm going to do in the scriptorium, I mentioned this at the beginning though, is I'm going to have a recommended reading order, but I just wanted to mention that and that it's related to that retcon we did talk about before. The 40K. There is a fact, a major fact that came out. I think it's like there's just dozens and dozens of pages. Points, core book rules, every single faction has a fact. It's it's just insane (laughs) the amount of information that came out. So what we're going to do is not this episode, but next episode we're going to have kind of a, a brief summary to cover some of the major things. Like there's some pretty major changes in terms of first turn, second turn, things like that, and we'll talk about it. But that'll be next time. There's again the power level, you know, resource point update. All that stuff is in there. And it's it's amazing when you look at the volume of stuff that they put out. I think it's great they're doing it. Releases in 2021. It looks like they're going to be every fortnight, which is every two weeks now versus weekly, 
we had talked a little bit about in our planning. Do we think that's going to mean like staggered releases or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So what we're going to have to see is what does this mean? Mm -hmm. Does it mean that it's a two week pre-order where let's say on the first you pre-order, you're not going to get your materials until the 15th? Mm. Are you ordered on the first and you get it on the 8th, but then the next pre-order is the 15th? Or mm-hmm. is that every you're going to have a pre-order available every week? There's going to be this weird situation where you pre-order on the 1st. There's a new pre-order on the 8th. <laughs> you're receiving the materials for the first pre-order on the 15th. That's so confusing. And right. So what does this mean? Is it <clears throat> two weeks? Is this... And some of the things that you have to ask is when you're when you're thinking about it, is it Brexit related? You know, are they anticipating mm, issues mm-hmm. on supply chain logistics between where they are and everywhere else? Sure. Is this how they have decided to remedy uh, what is likely a significant supply chain issue and related to the Indomitus second run, as it were, because those machines times are booked. And you had to put in enough to run out for everybody. Mm-hmm. When I was doing my kind of shorthand napkin estimation, I was pretty close to when people started receiving their material, which means that all of what they were supposed to be running on those presses got put somewhere else. Okay. So is this their way of kind of offsetting that and giving them time to build back the inventory? Was it always their plan? You know, Were there quality metrics that they have to meet for their business to... Mm. You know, look super nice and special. I don't have an issue with it. It's just I kind of want to know what it looks like. Okay. So we can understand how that's going to move forward because, you know, as a tournament organizer, uh, this right, in, this right. informs a lot of things in terms of like what is legal and what isn't. Sure. That makes sense. And to test your your thoughts on that, we have certainly in January and February, we have some releases now and we've mm-hmm. gotten the word that Death Guard will be on pre-order just a few days from the release of this episode. So sure. on the 16th is going to be the pre-order. I have heard that the 23rd is when the, the Death Guard book is going to drop, but we'll see, as you said, how it's going to work in terms of Fortnite. Maybe that means that on the 30th, we get that next set of pre-orders. Right. Or, and we'll see. But that's a good test for what happens with all that. So the Death Guard, we have Dark Angels coming out. We have Drukari coming out. We don't know when. We're thinking first quarter is probably a good estimate because we also know that we have a major release next month we are going to talk about in detail here. And one of the things I did want to talk about, though, with the Death Guard, another thing we found out, we... We last time talked about disgustingly resilient now is minus one damage versus a five up death save, as it were. Sure. There's also something called contagions. And anybody who knows Death Guard, they had something called Nurgle's Rot. And what it means is it's minus one to toughness for enemy models. Now, the interesting thing of this is that the aura grows every turn. So it starts out at one inch. So any enemy units within one inch, minus one toughness. The next turn, it's three inches. Then it goes to six inches. Then it goes to 12 inches in the last turn. And what is this around? Is it around heroes? Is it um, around well, we're going to find that feature? out. I'm okay. thinking the way I read it, it's not like Plague Marines are going to have this and Death Guard Terminators are going to have it. Like every unit's not going to have it in the army. I'm thinking it's going to be around the heroes, like you just said. That would make more sense rather than the whole every unit in the army, even pox walkers, you know. But contagions, maybe it does mean that. We don't know yet. Sure. We just know what the function is. And 
my God, that's insane. That means their bolters are going to be wounding Space Marines on a three. <laughs> Woof. That's pretty. And that aura, Brendan, like six inches, that's a 12-inch bubble when you think about right. it. It's huge. And it also depends on what it's around. Right. right? That's, that's huge as well. Is it right? around fixed objects? Is it certain things that, that have this? Because if it's, you know, let's take it to the extreme, it's every unit that has this. Ooh. You can cover the whole board in yeah. minus one toughness. Yeah. If there's no, like, prayer involved, there's no right. do, there's no dice roll. And that's... That seems way over the top. To right. Yeah. Like, these guys better be super pricey if yeah. that's going to be the case. So yeah. I'm sure there's going to be some, like, uh, limiting byline where... Mm-hmm. It comes from a specific location, yeah. or specific characters have it, or there's dice rolls involved, things sure. like that. That makes sense. So we'll see. But again, the Death Guard coming out in just a few days after this. So February, we know, is the month of Slanesh, and we're going to talk. That's going to be one of our main topics for Emperor Lies. So we're not going to talk anymore about that. Mm-hmm. We also have seen that there is a Sisters of Battle versus. Slanesh box coming out called Pain and Piety. They're also re-releasing a model for Leleth Hesperex, who is a main character in their lore and in their army and their books, always for the Dark Eldar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually, I'm sorry, I'm going to go back. Let me correct Drukari myself. Yes, sorry okay. about the yeah le- correction there. So it is Drukari versus Sisters, and that's quarter one. We don't know when, but we're again we're going to say in the first three months sure. here. Okay, that'll be coming out based on. These It'll probably releases. be around when the Drukari drop. I would think is. that'd be the same time. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. The next thing interesting, if you're into special editions for books, I am not really. I'm the only thing I have ever bought special edition was a Gaunt's Ghost book. They released one of the last books so far in the series and i got that but there is a bunch of stuff coming out special edition again i don't know if it's next month which is the is the big book month we talked about that a couple episodes ago but the next book i'm going to call it because we don't really know if it's the kind of the seventh book or the fifth book depending if you count graham mcneil's little mini stories mortis is the next book and it's going to be written by the same guy john french who wrote the first book for the siege of terra and it's focused from what we know on the mortis titan legion uh, which was one of the first legions to turn traitor on mars actually i'm th- kelbor hall i think or i can't remember the guy's name but the main traitor tech guy good old evil robot man yeah. <laughs> so that's what that one is it's going to focus on the mortis legion alfarius gets his own primark book which is awesome i am tempted to get that because i'm really an alpha legion fan uh ravener is getting a book I'm not in the least bit tempted to get these because I've got all three in hardback, all three of the Ravner books. So, But if you are, that's wonderful. And then the Dawn of Fire series, the Guy Haley series, they're actually releasing the special release for the second book in the series. Okay. So I can't remember the title, but so the Dawn of Fire second book is coming out and that'll apply when we The talk. guy with the thing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of the Indominus era things going on. So that's most of the stuff in the pipeline here. Sure. Brendan, how about game games or no, it's game played. <laughs> I have been playing almost to the exclusivity of every other thing in my life. Now don't worry, I was on vacation. <laughs> Cyberpunk. I'm almost done. I've played through just about every mission except for the driving missions. Okay. Damn, driving in this game sucks. Oh, it does. I it, agree. It's the worst. I agree. It's terrible. <laughs> but I'm I'm cleaning up the last bit of the side missions. Once I have that done, then it's time to go and finish up the main mission okay. and and do that. I've enjoyed it. I've had a really good time with it. 
I don't know what the replayability of it is right now, but I'll definitely get to say that I got to play it in like its weirdest, glitchiest version. Okay. And Mephisto was saying that, you know, right now you have to kind of take it as it is, accept that kind of endearing quality yeah. that like this special moment in time is. Like, yeah, I've had cars fly out of the sky. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I've had people's like, you know, clothing like stay stationary and then the rest of their model like moved somewhere else. <laughs> There's this very special scene at the start of the game. I won't spoil for people, but in like this very like intense and dramatic moment, mm-hmm. the guy reached for this thing and his gun was still in his hand for some reason. And then as he grabbed this thing, the gun attached to the model of the thing that he was handing to you. Oh, and then like you clip the thing like into the side of your head because you know, it's one of these <laughs> cyberware things. And then in the next cutscene, I had a gun <laughs> on the side of my head. That's great. You know, like, there there has been, like, weird stuff where, like, my gun sure. doesn't appear, but, you know, like, I can fire bullets and stuff like that. Sure. It's not a perfect game. It's not the best but game I've ever played. But compared to the total number of hours you've played, those things have been literally minutiae. Like, my, it's yeah, just I remember them seconds, because they're, you know? they're super weird. Yeah. As the game has gone on for me, my game has had a harder time rendering people and stuff right mm. away. Mm. So I'm playing on a lower end spec PC. Sure. And, you know, like when I go to play it on the current gen Xbox or, you know, some of these other games and things like that, you know, we'll, we'll see how that differs. Okay. I've enjoyed it. It's been very entertaining. Yeah. I'm looking forward to what they do to, to fix the game and add stuff into it and, and all those kinds of things. So when I come back later... It'll be its own whole new experience. Wonderful. I'll probably be a little bit disappointed that, you know, the cars aren't going to fly out of the sky and just, like, things are randomly going to explode for no reason. It's like surprises, yeah. And the cops won't appear behind you. You know, like, there'll be, like, a real police system. Okay. Because that, dri- that well and truly drives me nuts. That, like, the cops just... Like, I'm on the roof of a building, and all of a sudden they're just like, Freeze! <laughs> really, man? <laughs> Come on. How did you get here? Yeah. Sure. You just appeared. Garbage. <laughs> get out of here. Nonsense. Uh, so funny. I've had fun. Dan, That's what have great. you been playing? Well, I, I know it's some cyberpunk and some, some not, other stuff. And not much cyberpunk. Just very little. The vast majority of my playtime, I had a real run on Skyrim. I've never had this many different things that I have done before. This many... You know, of my own houses in different places, including the two that I built but so you've far. you've never played Skyrim before. Oh, Get of course out of I have. Yeah, <laughs> right. But these are things I'd never really done. Sure. It was one of the things I told you when you do the prison break thing up in Morgoth, I think it was, or wherever. Morthal. That, uh, Morthal, yeah. No. I'd never yes. done the prison break before. It, it just, all these things I'm discovering, and it's really, really fun having a good time with that. But most of my time, I mean, that a fair amount of Skyrim has been going through and continuing my civilization beyond earth experience Mm. and i'm doing the rising tide version of it but it's space how are there tides there's no tides in space of course there are because the planet that you're on is a terran type planet where you literally it's the only version of 
beyond Earth where you now can mm-hmm. build your cities or whatever on the ocean. You can actually have ocean Ooh. and you can move them. You they can, can move, move the oceans? You can move the cities to oh, different you places. Can move the cities. Very nice. Like, how do you move um, an ocean? Which is I have always a lot of questions. People are like, well, I'm going to do that because there's all kinds of bugs and xenos, life forms and stuff, some pretty nasty ones too on the land. Well, guess what? They're in the ocean too. So no. just because the fact that you build them in the ocean doesn't mean your cities are safe. And these things come out pretty early, depending on how you set the difficulty and stuff. And I like playing with lots of aliens. It's really fun that way. It's a challenge. So I'm having a lot of fun playing that. That's good. Yeah, lots and lots of fun. So that's it for games for me. Any Warhammer played? No. 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 Okay. <laughs> but there's always 2021. So There you go. All right. Here's the hoping. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's worth taking a drink. Okay, here we go. Ah, See, because mm. when I found this... Ah, very good. I knew that this is the right thing for gaming events because I like to drink Guinness at the gaming events. Sure. And all I got to do is keep a flask of Tennessee honey whiskey on me and just yeah. pop yeah. her in there. I'm good. And woo. the whiskey part I'm down with, you know, I'm a whiskey it's drinker. Really good. Yeah. It's really good. It is. It's very tasty. Cindy, are you enjoying yours? Of course not. Don't worry. I'll finish it. (laughs) And she smiles when she says that and picks up the glass. Yeah. Okay. So that's it for Whispers this time. We'll talk about some of that in In other other portions of it. Yeah. So we'll move on. News and ideas. There we go. Well, wait a minute. Can we combine those? Is that possible? I don't know. You're in charge. (laughs) I just work here. We're going to give it a shot. We'll see if we can combine that. Okay. All right. So we are moving on then to Emperor Lies. I mean, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Brenda, we're going to start lies off with the December Age of Sigmar meta check-in. We're not going to do this every month, listeners, probably, but maybe we will. We'll see. This is our jab. It gives us content. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Except for the hundreds of you listening. So yeah. It's the- just me downloading it 400 <laughs> times. Our numbers are totally fake. So we... <laughs> We are using, we're using the Best Coast Pairings data. And most people, I think, at this point are familiar with Best Coast Pairings. And what they do is they actually have a weekly breakdown by most played in Sigmar. So the armies mm-hmm. that are played the most. And then the, the most wins. The most winning. Yeah, and that's what we're going to cover. Again, I told Brendan before this show, I wanted to cover some numbers because BCP just came out with kind of a summary of the year past versus you know what they're going to do in the future and their data from this past year unbelievable as it is is from over 5000 individual events and over 250000 individual games played so in terms of the credibility and the veracity of the numbers they're based on real life stuff and a good good number of sure. them so from a, a data perspective this stuff is is valid when you look at the subsets though there might be specific outliers right, right. in terms of you know, technically anybody can set up any events and right. you, your buddies can all, you know, can play a four person tournaments and right. And right. those numbers live. And that counts well. as an event. Sure. Yeah, sure. But at least it's good to know that the thing that was hopeful for me, Brendan, was that there were so many games played. That was really nice to see. It wasn't just total shutdown. And that's a lot of events, whether it's four people or six, like we've played in or 12, like we played in whatever it is. Yeah. The top five for December are OBR, Daughters, Iron Jaws, Zinch, and Stormcast in no particular order. And my first comment on two of these, and we'll let you go into things like surprises and stuff, was we just talked about the Marathi book. Mm -hmm. And I think 
it's interesting because I'm wondering if Daughters and Stormcast, which got some Daughters especially got some major changes, and Stormcast really prevented presented you with some additional options. I'm wondering if that maybe has rolled into the meta now and it's affecting those results. I think it is the daughters more than kind of anything else Mm -hmm. where a lot of folks already had their daughter's army and the new changes were snake oriented and it gave people a excuse to to go get those done i've been around a lot of conversations around some of the snake marathi builds that would be quite effective i could see people you know trotting those out you already have people who have veteran playership in and around the Daughters of Cain army specifically. Mm-hmm. That kind of makes sense to me. Stormcast, the new build, is built around like 60 liberators that <laughs> won't die, and it's it's a nightmare. So yeah, that makes sense to me. But also, the shooting build of Stormcast is still totally viable and still super good and still excellent. Right. So probably a mixture of those two in that number. The Zinch stuff doesn't surprise me in the least. It's still Change Host and Flamers, Change Host and Flamers, Change Host and Flamers. Cool. Then you had Osiarch Bone Reapers, which kind of surprises me a little bit because they have some natural predators in terms of some of the other lists that are out there that go around winning events. But this is most games won. I would have expected them to kind of fall just outside that number because they can pretty reliably get to four wins, but they have a number of armies that just feel like hard counters. The super shooting oriented things, Seraphon, which I'm surprised wasn't on here, Caradron Overlords, Zinch, the shooting Stormcast build, they would just really struggle with with those kinds of armies that I would have thought would have knocked them out of this top five grouping. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is Iron Jaws, right? Oh, this is Iron Jaws yeah, specifically. Yes, it says Iron Jaws specifically, yeah. Oh. They were in two or three out of the four weeks, yeah, which was was interesting. Yeah, I don't know then. Like, there are good things in Iron Jaws, but from my perspective, Big Wah is just better. Sure. And maybe it's because some of the folks who are playing Big Wah are learning. I don't know. There's a lot of questions I would have, but Iron Jaws seems... Yeah kind of unusual and it's weird because when i was looking through the lists you know every week i kind of keep an eye on them and, and write down the the names of the top five it's mostly big wah like you said that's that's what i see in the mm-hmm. top five or top ten on a regular basis sure so that was kind of unusual but yeah yeah i don't know we are weird yeah strange stuff and you just mentioned, I'm just going to say surprises like iron jaws was a surprise for you mm-hmm. is there anything else that you would see as something that you hadn't expected or wouldn't I'm, expect. I'm surprised Seraphon aren't on there. Yeah. The, nothing has changed to them. Maybe people are bored of playing them. Mm-hmm. Maybe. You know, just to talk about how I came up with this list of five, there's four or five weeks in a month. And if you if you just won one, you know, come into that top five, one week out of all those, I didn't pick you. You're not. So Seraphon might have come into the top five one week out of the month. Sure. But then they didn't come in a second time to get in. They, they didn't have enough to get in there. Right. Sure. Okay. That's what it was. So Seraphon would have been one of those kind of interesting misses to me. In terms of data, though, Nurgle has been having a resurgence. And I blame our episode specifically where we talked about <laughs> how to make Nurgle good. It was obviously us. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> humility. It's my greatest trait. And... But really, very more seriously, what it's been a lot of has been Slaves of Darkness things Mark Nurgle played in the Nurgle book. Sure. 
And that's been very successful in the TTS world. Okay. And there was a 2020, a start of 2021 event on TTS called the Fat Middle, where they banned all the stuff that like lived at the top. And Nurgle was one of those bands. And I was like, and someone reached out to me and they're like, what the hell is this? Like, I don't know. (laughs) And so I looked at it a little bit more to see where those numbers are coming from. It's one of those things where the people playing Nurgle are playing some really tough-as-nails Nurgle's lists, and, Mm -hmm. well, shoot, they're doing a lot of darn winning with them. (laughs) Okay. That's one of those things, on the surface, like, on aggregate, Nurgle lists aren't in in the top echelon tier. But when you do all this combining of things, like we talked about a couple episodes ago, Yeah. You can get some miles out of it. Sure. Well, I remember, you know, that time when we played with Dave's Blight Lords having the board full of those guys. Yeah, that was a tough experience. Sure. Man. That's probably part of it as well, Mm -hmm. you know, where the floor is starting to come up as well. Mm -hmm. But Nurgle got banned from that event, but Caradron didn't make the cut. And I think that's interesting. And maybe it's just the strong bias I have of we have a local guy who kicks my butt left, right, and center with his Caradron overlords. Yes. Where I have a deep respect for them because I lose to them a lot. <laughs> I don't know. Sure. Maybe I'm just terrible at playing against KO. <laughs> okay, cool. So that's it for the meta check-in. And we'll see where we are in January. So maybe one of the shows in February. Or we'll, we'll have a it. bunch of content and we won't even have to think about it. <laughs> it's true. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. Then let's talk about kind of an early Valentine for Slanesh in that we got a whole bunch of previews. We got, you know, we saw the book and we saw all these models. So we wanted to talk about, as you said, you know, in the introduction, kind of brainstorm a little bit of what we're expecting and, you know, what how cool all this stuff is. So we got a book. We saw that. We have mounted spearmen and archers both. Correct. Which yep. is very cool. We got foot archers, the bliss barb, whatever they are. Yep. And then we got these. I love these slangor models. Those things are cool. I just think they look awesome. On their minotaur size. Yeah. They're 40s. Big. These are not your bestigors. No. These are not your zangors. These, these are, are beefy. <laughs> they're yeah, big they're, guys. They're big models. <laughs> They reminded me just a little bit of your multi-armed guys in OBR. Your Oh, my stalkers. Your stalkers sure. a little bit, just in the shape and stuff. We got Sigvald. We sure. know he's coming out. And then we got our first Palaquin. Now, that's one of the first things I wanted to talk about. What are your thoughts on how many of the seven mortal sins, because this is one of them, gluttony, mm-hmm. do you think we're going to get? Or do you think this? we may just get one or two and that's it? So in this release, I think we're just going to get this one. And then... There's four other kits we didn't touch on. The Lord of Pain, the Hero with the Mirror, and then the two super heavily armored foot troops. Yes. But in terms of the Lord of the different rings of realms of Slanesh, I think this is the only one we're going to get here. But it leaves the door open for all of the other ones. In the same way that you, know, you have nine Mortarks. Mm-hmm. And you only have five, which gives you all of this great room to write in what the other ones are and what all of that looks like and all those kinds of things. That would be similar to when Lady O came out. She was a new Mortark. She was the fourth, yes. Right. Okay. And, you know, they created this ghost army and there's your Mortark of the ghost army. Okay, sure. And the Bone Reapers came out and there's the Mortark of your Bone it's Reapers. Catacross. okay. Cool. So with Slanesh, I don't see them adding a bunch of new Slanesh armies. 
where death, every Mortark is going to be in charge of a different kind of sub-faction. Sure. Where I think what you're going to have with these different excesses, they're going to kind of force a different play style on the army, but you're not going to get a whole new Slanesh release Okay. with a bunch of new models and a bunch of stuff that only plays in that. You might get the Palaquin of the quarter or something. Sure. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't think there's going to be any urgency to having these models put out. Right. It's one of these things where, you know, every time you do a new narrative set of books, you get the lord of one of the next realms of Slanesh. And it doesn't have to be a palanquin. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy just happens to be on one. You know, maybe one of the other ones is just on foot or they're mm-hmm. a monster or they can be whatever. Right. I think if they're all on palanquins, that would be kind of weird. Okay. Uh, I think. No, sure. Because, Too much the same. Yeah. Not unique. And I also don't think it necessarily reflects the myriad opportunities that are in front of you. Sure. If you're kind of constrained to having to put everybody on a palanquin, I don't know. I could see them putting a special character on a chariot of some kind. Sure. Oh, yeah. Especially with the new models for the new Seekers mm-hmm. that are like oh, way more dynamic. Like so you, could, cool. you could have a super dynamic chariot model where you have all the Seekers running and the chariots, you know, coming over a rock and it's, <laughs> it's tipped up a little bit. And oh, yeah. there are all those sorts of things. So I'm interested to see what, you know, the poor man's Catacross rules look like. One of the things I found interesting and I was really happy about was the heavily armored guys. Mm-hmm. I thought that was such a neat change for Slanesh because you think about them, you don't really have that. You don't think of them, you think of them as kind of as a squishy army, as it were, because they don't have anybody who's tough. You know, they're fast and they have all kinds of other things. But I thought that was pretty cool that they came out with that to add that element to a Hedonite's army. What do you think about them? That actually fits in with some of the old lore okay. of what Sigvald was. Mm-hmm. He had a retinue of chosen chaos warriors Mm. who had their shields mirrored so that he could see himself (laughs) and i would be kind of surprised if there wasn't like a battalion built around that concept where it's Mm. sigvald and like two units of these guys and they get like a special minus one to hit because they're so shiny or something like that (laughs) that's cool i could picture something like that occurring in this book okay so i think it does make sense but you have to have some of that kind of old world lore and knowledge for it to become kind of immediately obvious. Well, and he provides that transition. He provides that connection. Sure. Which yes. is pretty cool, lore-wise. Because he's more Demon Prince now than... Oh, yeah. At least much. visually, he's more Demon Prince than what he was before, which was just a, a mortal a champion of chaos. A guy in gold armor. Woo. Okay. Mm. What do you think about the archers? Now, this is interesting for Slanesh to get shooting units like this. Sure. What do you think is going to be, I think we talked in the planning we did a little bit about, are we going to get the same old, you know, on a six, it does a mortal wound, or do you think we're going to maybe get something different with this? I'm frankly, as always, I see new stuff and I'm like, Ooh, I'm like the little kid, you know, mm-hmm. I run out there like, this would be awesome to make a, a mounted archer, almost like a Mongol list out of Hedonites, you know, sure. or something that'd be cool. But what do you think the archers are going to be? What are your, some of your ideas or an idea that they may bring instead of that usual six plus mortal? So I think the mortals are probably going to end up in a, a slightly different space than the demons where the demons presently exist. A six to hit counts as two hits. Okay. I think what they're likely to be is that their weapons are going to be poisoned of sorts, where 
on a hit roll of like a six plus or, you know, or a five or a six, you know, whatever, that it is an automatic wound, you still have to roll your armor save though. As opposed to oh, it being okay. a, a six to hit is just a straight mortal wound. Sure. Because we've we've seen a lot of that. We've seen that in armies where that is a near universal rule. Mm-hmm. Where if you instead kind of take it more in the Drakari style direction, where you basically give them the poison rule, mm-hmm. except obviously you know they don't wound on twos or fours no matter what, mm-hmm. which is what poisoned is. This would be more on specific hit rolls. It wounds automatically. Set those aside for save rolls. And then I think you could have different like strains of toxins that do different things mm. where if a multi-wound model is wounded with these but doesn't die, it is minus one to hit or minus one to wound or its movement is reduced by two. I think this army is going to play around with poisons and like different status effects okay. for the army. And do you think that would be based on units or do you think like you pick that every turn or something? Or do you think maybe it's that guy with the mirror, you know, that person with the mirror or a hero that kind of lets you make that choice every turn or something? I think with these, it could be a little bit of both. Okay. Where you might pick with the unit ahead of time what their poison is. And then these different support heroes allow it to affect a unit more regularly or they allow you to change it or things like that. When I was talking with Zach Lambie, because he's one of our locals who's super excited about the Mortal Slanesh stuff coming out, yeah. he's very concerned about what the chariot archers are going to look like. Yes. Because we really don't have a unit, an equivalency in unit type out there in the game of what a ranged horse unit looks like. You're talking about the guys on the like on, on the, the seekers. seekers. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Right. There is a very limited pool of comparable yes. units, and his concern is that because we don't have a lot of frame of reference for those, they're going to come out wrong the first time. I see. And it's going to take a lot of points adjustments and things like that to get them right. Yeah, I was wondering about that too because you know as exciting as it is to think about something totally crazy like a a horse archer army or something. You also have to make it worthwhile. Like, if every one of them gets one shot, like, so what? I mean, they're going to cost a lot because you've got a person on a horse, first of all, or a person on a mount. Sure. So you know they're going to be costly. And you want to make sure it's worth the points you're going to be spending. You know, so if you could have a unit of 10 guys that had two shots apiece, now that might be worthwhile. If they only get one shot apiece... I mean, no matter what they do, you're like... Well, that was still, the Malusai problem. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's still only the one shot, right? And even if you're, like you talked about, you're auto-wounding. I mean, that's a huge difference. If you're four four by four and you can ignore that second four, you know, well, if you're four... I, I would four, say it's like on a six-up or something. Okay. It would still be a right. special condition. It's, just, it's not if you hit automatic. Right. Because so, in that case, I would say you have to hit on fives. Right, right? or and, something and like it, that. And if you hit, you ignore the wound step. Okay. But cool. it's just, you have to make units that are going to cost more like that again worth the points so you're right maybe you know as zach is concerned the points won't be right or the rules won't be right they're going to make some changes but one of the things to just to circle back on that is one of the reasons i love aos is they're good at doing that they really are as compared to the 40k side where if they see something's not right the community right away people like yourself and zach and a lot of other experienced players are going to give them that feedback and they're going to respond sure they're going to make changes in points or they'll make some kind of a fact come out 
And all of a sudden that unit is viable then. And I, I love that about it. So even if they don't get it right the first time, eh, they're going to get it right. You know, eventually they will. And one of the things that we're seeing outside of just the regular points adjustments in the new handbook and the six month afterwards point adjustment mm-hmm. is what we're seeing with gloom spike gets where gloom spike gets have aged relatively poorly in the scope of the game. They're getting a bunch of new rules in White Dwarf articles. Right, you've got the one with the Spider Army we talked about. Sure, the Spider Army, the Troll Army, the Squig Army. Basically everything but regular gits have gotten a new set of rules and battalions and, and things of that nature. Sure. That's a great substitute because if you can't justify you know, whatever the threshold is for a new book release, I'm sure there's some sort of internal mark where X number of models oh. have to come out and, right. and whatever to, to justify a book release expected dollar amount you know kind of indicator well, you get them in the white dwarf you get cool new battalions yeah. and sonesh has gotten a lot of love since its release in 2019 it got that special sub faction with celeste at the end of 2019 and here we are in the early 2021 talking about a new book with mortals now really focusing right. on mortals yes yeah. that's a lot of stuff kind of in close proximity to each other but the bit of advice that i would give folks who are kind of concerned around all this is we have seen a model for this in the original Stormcast and the original Corn books mm. where only like nine months later did we get a new Stormcast book that included more things mm. and a new right. Blades of Corn book that included the demons as mm-hmm. well as Gore Chosen or whatever the specific uh, keyword. The mortal guys. Yeah, exactly what they were. Mm-hmm. It's a little disappointing that we're seeing it so closely, but if they did have some internal promise to get all of these books done and ready before a certain time, and then this mortal stuff was just on a different timeline, I'm okay with that. That's fine. Sure. Yeah, I guess one of the other things I wanted to talk about is I love seeing books come out, and I love this with Sigmar. This is another thing I love about Sigmar is that you can theme armies, I think, really easily in Sigmar. You know, like we're just, we're going to talk about one of my new projects for this year, but you know, you've got a book like Ogres and you can focus on the Beast Claw. You can make a Beast Claw themed army or you can make an Ogre themed army. You know, with Gloom Spite, you've got three or four choices of things you can do with in terms of theme. With these guys, I see you could do a theme depending on what those horse archers are. You could combine them with some chariots. Like some of those big chariots that have 20 attacks a turn the big spiky chariots what a fun army that would be to play but you could focus on that piece you know like you said the sigvald thing maybe you can you know uh, kind of focus an army or build an army around sigvald with some special battalions and rules and things and i think that's really cool when these books come out that you have those opportunities as you look at something and kind of those dreams kind of go off (laughs) that dream bomb goes off and you're like oh that would be awesome or that would be awesome and i I think that's the point of battalions personally Mm -hmm. is for most players they are a means of playing an army in a very specific fashion Mm mm-hmm for the competitive-minded players, it's a way to get <laughs> yeah. you know extra rules and to reduce your drops and things like that. Yeah, but sure. for the large majority of players, it's a way of getting your army to feel special. Yes, and I love that. I think that's really, really cool. All right. Uh, anything else with Slanesh that we want to talk about that you've thought about? It'll be interesting to see how the release of this book relates to that two-week process. Mm. As I was doing my brief math, you know, you have the book, you're going to get cards, you're going to get dice, Mm -hmm. realistically. Sure. So, okay, those will all be in the first release. 
But then in terms of kits, you have one kit that's going to be the mounted spearmen slash mounted archers. You're going to have another kit that is just the foot archers. You're going to have another kit that is the slangor. You're going to have another kit that's Sigvald. You're going to have another one that's Palanquin Man. You're going to have another <laughs> kit that is the heavily armored guys as a dual box. Right. With the two-week pre-order, let's just assume that if you pre-order it, you get it the next week. But then the next pre-order isn't until two weeks after the first. Right. What is that level of enthusiasm going to be around splitting this up rather than forcing it all into one time slot? That's interesting, yeah, because you're spreading that interest out. It's not focused and concentrated. Mm. you got to strike while the iron's hot, and that's the thing that I've really liked with the weekly orders where you would take something like this, you'd cut it in half, you'd take the book, the dice, the war scroll cards, one of the dual kits, Sigvald, and maybe the foot archers. That's week one. And then week two is the other stuff. And so in that in that first week, you know, you're waiting on all your stuff to show up and you know, you're seeing all the previews and you're listening to all the podcasts and you know, you're getting an idea of what the book is gonna look like. And you know, you rush the games workshop on Saturday to pick up your or your local hobby store to pick up your copy of your book. And you sit there and you flip through it and you see all the things that like you've been hearing about for the whole week. And then that week at that terminal or with your shopkeeper you go, I want to buy all this other stuff too. Boom. Done. <laughs> and Games Workshop has your money. Right? <laughs> yeah. Disappeared. That $600 government check that you got. Support that local gaming store, yeah. <laughs> gone. <laughs> right, right. So right. that's one of those things that is definitely, you know. Right. How does that interact? If they choose to split it up, how interested are you going to be coming back two weeks later? You've got all these plastic kits and you, and you kind of have... That feeling after you've eaten a crazy big meal and there's still like some... (laughs) You went and ordered a super double mega extra large pizza just for yourself. You're watching your favorite sporting team. And this is clearly from experience. And, you know, the game is over and there's still half a pizza left. What is your appetite to eat that later? Right. You know, you go, oh... (laughs) You rub your belly and you just go, I... I don't know... (laughs) You know, you've got these unbuilt kits, you know, you've, they're unpainted, you know, maybe your significant others like, well, you know, you really should work through some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. And what's that second wave purchase going to look like if it's set up like that? I don't know. Good question. I'm just asking the questions here, Dan. Right, right, right. I just got you. man asking questions. I got you. Okay. That's a great one though. So. We, we just don't know. And this relates back to that Fortnite release schedule yeah we don't know what it's really going to be and how it's going to affect the business because that certainly is something they've obviously thought about if they're making a public announcement anything else with slanesh we covered a lot considering how little we know (laughs) yeah it'll be interesting to see what other rules become available within the book because i think this is going to include some rules rewrites on the demon side of things sure and it's it's going to be the combined book in the same way that magakin is and Disciples of Zinches and Blades of Corn is, and you're going to finally have this book that's married cohesively within itself. I don't think that there's going to be a two-book situation. Good. Well, that's great, though. My expectation. Right. And, so. As it should be, and it'd be consistent with what we have elsewhere, which is mm-hmm. what you want. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what those rules look like. Okay. All right. And we'll find out in a month or so what all those things are. Yep. And we'll have an episode around it. Woohoo! You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? So the last thing we want to do in Emperor Lies is we kind of wanted to do a 2021 
to-do list for us mm-hmm. and break it down kind of by hobby and by gaming, which is a little, and that could be Sigmar and other gaming, and then skills in terms of hobby and gaming, and then maybe skills, maybe there's something on the outside of gaming we want to talk about a little bit that we're looking forward to, you know, for ourselves this year. So Brendan, why don't you cover a couple of things you're thinking about in terms of hobby for this coming year? Yeah, so I want to... One, hopefully events start up again, Yes, but that's a little bit outside of my own personal control. In terms of the actual gaming part of things, I want to play an army at an event that has a play style that's out of my comfort zone. Mm. So the way I would kind of explain that is my Bone Reapers and in the Wayback Machine, my Legions and the Gashless fit the way I looked at the game and I was very comfortable with it defensive play style built around you know a a couple major key units and in 2019 a little bit i shifted a little bit to flesh eater courts and slanesh but ultimately those were just kind of aggressive versions of the same it's basically taking that those same kind of lists they're built around a couple key units but instead of being defensive defensively minded you're aggressively minded okay I would be interested in playing and learning to play a list that deals in like the shooting phase, for instance, or a very, very small number of models, something that isn't control oriented and seeing what I can do with that. Okay. So that's what I want to do with gaming in terms of the hopeful for the events. In terms of skills, I'd like to start becoming more comfortable painting some different colors. Okay. A lot of my armies are red and copper. Uh, those <laughs> yeah, are two true. colors that I can knock out of the park without even rolling out of bed. You know, maybe try some blues, try some greens, mm. see uh, see some different skill use. I picked up some different models and, and things like that that are just really small scoped projects. I have no intention of building like whole armies of these kinds of things and just experimenting with that or with different paint products. You know, just some just some different painting techniques, but ultimately, I want to feel more comfortable painting with different colors. Okay. And then, in terms of outside the hobby, I want to lose my COVID nineteen that I put on. Oh, and your weight. Okay. Right. It's like the freshman fifteen in college. Yeah. The, okay. The the, the, yeah, the COVID nineteen. Sure. Oh, it's, uh, it's a joke. Okay. So, you know, lose uh, lose a little bit of weight okay. in terms of the outside the hobby stuff. Okay. So Dan, what are you looking to well, accomplish? I got a few things on my hobby list. I'm going. I would like to build based on a lot of talking we've done. Sit down, and you've kind of gone over some lists and things and ideas for me. I'd like to build and paint a Beast Claw Raiders army. I have never really had an army other than my daughters and my you know cauldron. But other than that, I've never really had an army in Sigmar that has had big guys, hard-hitting monsters. I've never had that. Solos, it, yeah. Right, and it'd be really fun to play an army that had, like, a bunch of big guys. I think that would just be, whether it's a cabbage or whether it's a frost horn or whatever it is, I think I'm really looking forward to doing that. So that's obviously a pretty major project. Sure. As always, I have stated that I have my night haunt, so I'm in a comfort zone. <laughs> so whenever the world opens up again... I got an army to drop on a table yeah. and it's wonderful. So that means there's no pressure and I can, you know, as I'm building stuff, I can continue to consult with you and do those kind of things. But that definitely is something I would like to work on this year. 
switching over to the 40k side, I would like to get my Space Wolves up to 120, whatever you call them, art, you know, resource points or power level or something. I'd like to paint that much Space Wolves this year. So I'm already up to about 20 points with my Grimnar, you know, Logan Grimnar and my Redemptor. I've got those two things done, but I would like to continue to work on those this year. I think that'd be a lot of fun and try to continue. Well, we'll talk about hobby and uh, skills in a minute, but so that's the second thing in terms of painting and hobby. And then I would like to get a night hunt display board done. I don't have a display board for my guys. Mm. So if we do go to an event sometime this year. That's how you get your points. You got to have your display board, Dan. Yeah, I got to. And I've got some really awesome ideas, but I need to get that done. I mean, who knows? You know, we we hope, of course, as always hoping that it's sooner than later. But if we find out all of a sudden that we're going to have an event, it's like, I'm not ready. (laughs) <laughs> really? I mean, you know, I've talked about that. I'm comfortable with my army, but I need to get a display board finished. That was one of the other things in my hobby I forgot. Oh. I finished my drink, so I'm, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not totally thinking super clearly. Okay. The basing. I didn't have anything to eat, Cindy. I came over here to, to drink this because I knew this is how this is going to end. Um, no, I got plenty of water. Okay. I want to do some basing that isn't because like also a lot of my basing is a lot of the same mm-hmm. and it's it looks good and it's effective and everything you know it flows together i want to do some different basing i want to like put together something that looks kind of nice and, okay. and maybe i tie that into one of my painting projects where i do a different color or something like that and i'll be like well that was neat good for me and do some creative basing yeah sure okay. yeah exactly it's okay. not just going to be buying another shattered dominion piece of terrain box or whatever and Painting it the same as everything else. So. Okay, cool. No, that's a great one. Sorry for derailing this. No, that's not. We can talk all over the place. And then because it's longer term, my antler project I mentioned earlier, I want to get that done sometime this year. Yes. And Nick has given me plenty of time. I mean, I got like three or four months to get this thing done. There's no hurry. But that's it's on the list. It's in the queue in addition to those other things. In terms of skill, I really want to continue with this uh, stippling dry brushing technique that I've used in... On your Space Wolves. Space Wolves. Yep. But I'd like to try to translate that into my Beast Claw Raiders as I'm building that army and painting it and seeing how that looks. I think it'll be fine. I think it'll look good. Then the other two things in terms of skills, I want to keep my edge with my Night Haunt because one of my hobby goals is to try to finish in the top half of any event I'm in. I would really like to do that. I think that's very doable right now. Okay. Yeah, I'm never going to be above that because I'm playing Night Haunt. Let's just be honest. I'm not going to be at the, ever at the top tables with Night Haunt. I mean, it, it's going to be very difficult. It would require uh, <laughs> some forces realistically outside your immediate yes. control. Perfect matchups, all those things. So, but I think rules changes, yes. points changes. But I think. The Based on what taking I, pity on you. I have to work with. I think that's a realistic goal. And, okay. I, and I would really like to try to do that, which means I need to play some games so I can stay up on that. And I know you'll help me with that. And I'm sure I can reach out to some other people. And then obviously to go with that, if I've got the Beast Claw Raiders, I need to learn their rules and I need to learn techniques to use with that. It's a very different play style. It is. And we've already talked about the battalion I'd like to use, you know, to make it a really low drop army. Which is different for me because my nine on is like 14 drops or some insane number because sure. I have no battalions. So to have anything under a four drop would be, I, I don't know if I'd know what to do with that. <laughs> so so those are some of my hobby things. How about gaming in terms of all kinds of games? What would you like to do this year, do you think? 
I mean, I'd like to go to an event. That would be cool. That's not something that I can, you know, as I reflect on how to make goals achievable, yes. there's nothing actionable I can realistically do no. to will those into power. NashCon is in August. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's a thing. You know, Bruce City's in September. So hopefully that's a thing. Yeah, we got July. We're still looking at, you know, the second half of the year. I mean, Midwest is still out there somewhere. Sure. There's lots of things that are right. in the scope of possible. Yes. As opposed to probable. Yes. Right. We'll see. Yeah, of course, as always. And that's tough. Without those things, it's tough to say that, you know, I want to go to an event and win the awards that I don't have yet. Right. I don't have a best chaos. I don't have a best order. I don't have a best destruction. Sure. Because <laughs> I won events with the best chaos list. <laughs> uh, so like those, like I do want to round out my trophy case sure. over the course of As full of as time. it is, by the way. Sure. But I... <laughs> I'm okay with winning the events and not getting the best in factions, but I would want to do the winnings with those factions that I haven't done the winning no. with. So for me, that's order and destruction. That makes sense. You know, I've won left, right, and center with death, and mm-hmm. Slanesh is the thing that you know carried me in the last half of 2019. Mm-hmm. Well, chaos is done. I was really hoping to go to Dragonfall with a... Your old bad Beast Claw Raiders list because mm-hmm. yeah. I'd been putting some work in with that over the course of since the book came out and workshopping that and getting some strong familiarity with it. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Yep. So, in the same vein of playing some you know some styles that are off center for me, I would want to you know be able to to play some factions that are a little bit not my usual. Okay. So basically, just not death. Right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I've already talked about finishing, if we go to events, finishing in the mm. top half. I would like to join a D&D campaign. Okay. So, listeners, if you know of one, let me know. I would love to do that. I'd love to resurrect my paladin or my ranger. But I've thought about that, and it's like, it's been so long since I have actually not run one of those. Because when I was teaching, you know, I had that student group I was working with. Sure. But I was running them. I wasn't playing. I really missed that. And then the other thing, hopefully this year, is still to do, we talked a few episodes ago, a Crusade Con, where we do the Crusade rules and run something for 40K. Yeah. But obviously summer, late summer, early fall now at that point. I think late spring is... Well, I better get to painting. Yeah. Late late spring is too optimistic at this point when we look at the world as it is. I, I think just, I'll put it off a little bit and what the heck, you know? We have time. Sure. And it's no no pressure or anything. In terms of life stuff outside of the gaming piece, I think I'd like to learn a new language this year. Start learning a new language. Start. And I think I'd like to learn Spanish. Okay. Start. It's a useful one. Yeah. yeah, That's what I was thinking. Like, you know, I teach the Chinese students in the mornings. And so I probably know 40 or 50 Chinese words. But the only time I use them are with my students, really. I don't have an opportunity otherwise. But I think there'd be a lot of opportunities to use Spanish. See, I took German in high school thinking I'm going to be an engineer. And I'm going to speak to all of these high-end German companies (laughs) who are going to need a good engineer to know German. And let me tell you, huge mistake. (laughs) Not useful. No. (laughs) Whoops. It didn't help that I didn't take German 4 in high school because you had to speak German from bell to bell. And I knew I was going to be exposed as a fraud and that I had gotten my way through on proximity (laughs) knowledge. But yeah, Spanish is a good choice. I I like that, Dan. That that makes sense. You know, I mean, if I were to learn a word a day, that's 400 words. That's a lot of words in another language. And I understand it's going to take a long time. But I think that'd be fun. 
uh, to do that. Then the other thing I want to do is I already, as you know, I volunteer at the Humane Society Mm -hmm. um, in the mornings on Mondays. I think I'd like to look for another volunteer opportunity for myself. One of the things that I've really kind of drawn to is my mom at her amazing age of 90 is getting a lot of help from people. She's getting rides to places and stuff now instead of driving herself. And I thought that might be kind of a cool opportunity to drive seniors to places they need to go, like the doctor or groceries, whatever. That might be kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, On a less serious note, you can volunteer for the Brendan Charity of Unpainted Model Society. I could. I could. I didn't think about that. (laughs) I'd get a hobby night going. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could just bring them down here and I'll I'll come up with something. Yeah. You'll you'll find them colors to to make them (laughs) feel alive (laughs) we might have to do that yeah that's it for me anything else for you no i'm just hoping that you know we can make this year a little bit of a better year there's a lot of yeah a lot of things going on sure to put it mildly yeah here's to a better one everybody here's to a better one brendan all right we drink our drinks but both of ours are gone (laughs) we're done yeah sydney's done too she's yeah Yeah. everybody's done awesome brett it must have been good well thankfully that's all i brought with me awesome (laughs) yeah it is thankfully there is a bed over in this room you can (laughs) you don't want to drive home you can take a nap first be fine we'll take a quick run around the block yeah there we go sweat it out cool listeners that's it for emperor lies we hope you found that of interest and we're going to move on to scriptorium which is pretty full this time so Mm. we'll be right back we're back with the reading stuffs and brendan why don't you start us out with reads listens watches all those foolish things so haven't read anything i know you're all surprised (laughs) shock in terms of listens i got caught up to currents on my totalis rankium american presidents Mm, yes 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 which is herbert hoover wow you're getting up there man wow that's all the episodes they have so far okay so next up is fdr and i'll be current with that so I started their Totalis Rankium Roman Emperors. Oh, nice. Now, did they start with Caesar or did they start with Octavius? Octavius slash Augustus. Okay, um, yeah, right. Depending on... Because some people consider Caesar the first emperor, but I never did. I mean, when you think about the history. So that's cool. Sure. That's really cool. Yeah, so they did a background episode to give context for the remainder. Okay. The one thing with them, though, is that they... They started their show doing emperors. So when I jumped Mm. in with presidents, they already had their style. It was already fully formed. It was already... Like, imagine jumping in and listening to our early episodes where it's just like, (laughs) oh, yikes. Uh, The cuckoo clock is on and the air conditioner is (laughs) running. Pretend that this isn't happening. Yeah. Yeah. They had a lot of things where... It's been tough working through the kind Mm -hmm. of first few episodes of their Roman emperors because very clearly they had a more finished product when they started the american presidents but you know we'll we'll listen to that in terms of shows i've been watching i finished watching season one and season two of succession on hbo okay and i loved it it was great what's it about the way to describe it is it is about the family where the father is in the first episode it's his 80th birthday okay and he has formed a Disney-esque media corporation where he also has like control of news and Disney parks or you know Disney park equivalents, cruise lines and all sorts of things. Mm. And this is a family of the one percenters, the ultra fabulously wealthy people. Yeah. It primarily revolves around the father and his four children. Three of them are the main characters. The fourth one kind of does his own thing and he's tangential to all of it. Okay. The three kids 
some significant others and some other hangers-ons and their desire to vie for control of succession of the company. Okay. A lot of sneaky, underhanded drama-ness and, you know, <laughs> ridiculous, super rich person problem kind of things. Sure. Very entertaining. Season two. So both seasons were very good. Season two was excellent. Okay. Season two was awesome. Where, you know, they kind of have developed the all of the characters and and they have explained to you where the problems are coming from and why and that kind of stuff. Because mm-hmm. the first season is more table setting where you're introduced to these characters and mm-hmm. the various conflicts of interest showing why these things are, you know, going to be problems that have to be resolved. Did you ever hear of the show Dallas? I have You've heard of it, okay. but I have never it just, seen it. It just reminds me when you're describing this a little bit of that, where you have that competition for the control and all that kind of stuff. It's obviously a very classic old older TV show, but it's that kind of thing where it's all in the family, but the family's pretty dysfunctional. You yeah. Know? <laughs> it's listed as a comedy drama. Okay. And I think that's being very generous on the comedy side. <laughs> there are moments that are kind of funny and things like that. But sure. I would not, under any circumstance, be like, oh, well, this is a comedy. It's like, you put some jokes in there, sure, like very clearly, but I don't know any mm. kind of television or movie writing that doesn't involve a, a chuckle or two from time to time. Sure. And my favorite character is this guy called Greg, <laughs> and he is the grandson of the brother of the 80-year-old head of the family, Logan. Okay. And he royally screws up. So he's like a nephew, I guess, is what he would be, right? Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, and, well, like a grand-nephew of of some variety. So, like, he really super screws up in the first episode, and his mom sends him to New York. The whole thing with the character is this guy's in, like, his early 20s. (laughs) Total screw-up. Somehow he's like let into the family and he's basically just there in the first episode asking for a job and through some like unexplained mechanism ends up in the inner circle like where he's regularly involved in like all these things and he has no idea what he's doing. And you're thinking, how did he get there? Is that it? Because there's no background. There's no explanation then. Like you can see why he's around because like he's associated with the business and he's family. Okay. But when you think about the other family members, they have been in and around the business for a really long time. He doesn't belong in the same room as many of these, like the husband of the daughter. Sure. You know, has worked in the business in like very high up positions. So it makes sense like why he's involved in these things. Even though he's relatively new to the family, you know, he's been involved in higher level executive style roles. Okay. This is some dumb screw up 20 something year old who who got sent That's to New York great. to basically ask for a favor of I'm you know, that guy. I bet you a lot of people are like, yes, that's me. Oh, I hope not. I hope you're all better than that. That's funny. And he's just like around all of these things. And it's just so silly. Uh. <laughs> like he is the comedy part. OK, of it. like I, yeah. I suppose. Plucky comic relief. I think that's what they call it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he could have been like a three episode character and like he would have gotten his job and done these things and you know favors could have been called in from time to time on his sure. part and and like I would have been totally cool with the character like, right. it would have made sense but he's around in every episode he's a main character it just seems so <laughs> weird okay that's what I've been on how about you Dan what have well, you I want to start out as usual with the new release stuff that we've got from Black Library sure we talked about the special edition stuff but that's 
way off. We're going to always talk about stuff that actually has come out. The first thing is Fury of Magnus, which is unofficially the sixth book in the Siege of Terra. And I got it on Wednesday. It came. And I'm like, I'm going to jump on this. And then I'm going to talk about Avenging Sun, which is the Dawn of Fire book. I am loving this book. It is just so good. It explains so much. So Fury of Magnus is right there in the queue, but I haven't started reading it yet. Makes but sense. It, but it is out. It is a hardcover, and it is between the fourth and fifth official books in the Siege of Terra. So it's before Mortis, and that's kind of where it fits in. We've also got two short stories. One is His Will, and there's a bunch, but these are the ones I, I was interested in. And His Will is basically a precursor before actually Dark Imperium. It centers around a character called Father Matthew, who is obviously an ecclesiarchy guy. But it's a really cool story, and it's a really easy, quick read. And if you read this before you read Dark Imperium, you're going to go, oh, that's that guy. So it'll be kind of cool. If you've read Dark Imperium already, you should read this story. His Will is what it's called. And then the second one is Lightning Hall. This is actually a heresy book. And where it fits in is the original part when Mars revolted against the emperor during the heresy. Yeah. Graham McNeil wrote a book called Mechanicum. It was the I book about read that, that book. which is awesome. That's great. And so this is kind of a take off. There have been three or four novels or short stories that have come from this. The most well-known, I think, is Cybernetica, which was really fascinating because it was about a group of space marines who were on Mars to become tech marines when the revolt happened. And you're like, oh my gosh, these guys got caught in the middle of it. And obviously they're loyalists. And uh, so it's Cybernetica. There's another book called Myriad, which is really cool about rebels fighting against the Dark Mechanicum. They're on Mars still, and they've kind of formed these cells to keep a revolution going and try to take the planet back. This is another part of that. But what's cool about it is it's about knights. And House Tyrannus was the knight house. If you've seen knights painted, they're the mm-hmm. guys who are always blue and gold. You know, they're, they're kind of the poster boys for the knights. They were caught during this revolution on Mars. And they fought Mortis, that this next book is about in uh, Siege of Terra. And so this is about a couple of knights who are still fighting against against the Dark Mechanicum. True. Which is cool. Uh, So if you're interested in any of that stuff, this would be a book for a good read. Then the next two things that have come out are both anthologies. And it's interesting because one is for Sigmar and one is for 40K. So the 40K one is called Servants of the Emperor. It's three or four stories about 40K, obviously. And then Champions of the Mortal Realms, we get some Sigmar stories, Mm. which is really cool. So those are all the things that have come out recently. I have finished two audiobooks. I finished the Ephraim Stern book. I'm telling people, if you haven't read the graphic novel, this will make no sense to you. Okay. It is really, it is so Ephrael Stern. It is just out there. Like, all these things are happening. You're going, what the hell? What's going on? Who is this person? So if you haven't read the originals, you have no interest in them, probably this wouldn't be a good read or a good listen for you. If you have read or listened to the graphic novels, definitely you want to read this or listen to it. Okay. So I finished that, and then I finished Guns of Tanith, which is the fifth Gaunt's Ghost book. Excellent. And it, as I've said before, these books are so old. I read them so long ago that I'm listening and going... I don't remember that. But then the characters come up and you're like, oh, I remember that. So that's really cool. And I'm starting the Basement of Death recommendation. You guys, thank you. The Blade itself. I've actually listened about the first half hour of that. I'm really enjoying it so far. All 22 hours of it. It's insane. 
it's really good so far. So that's my audiobook that is going to be kind of ongoing right now. Then what I want to finish up talking about is, and I haven't really watched anything except something called Dust on, it's actually its own channel. Uh, if you've got like Roku or something like that. Okay. Uh, it's a science fiction channel. And it's a lot of short of short movies, like eight, 10 minutes, little episode, episodic kind of things, or they have some full movies, but it's all sci-fi and it's all futuristic and it's all dystopian and really cool. So if you were into sci-fi, I would recommend Dust. It's really cool. What I wanted to talk about though here is Indomitus era reading order. I think it's really important. And obviously there are people out there who are avid readers who have read a lot of this stuff already. And you're going, I didn't know there was a reading order. Well, I didn't either. Hmm. until I read an article, but and it was really a neat perspective by the guy. In terms of the Indomitus era, we're talking about the time when Gulliman has come back. And the first two books I would recommend, there is a series called Vaults of Terra. Okay. What a lot of people don't understand is they think that Gulliman came back and all the problems were solved. Well, in fact, it made things worse. There was actually a second incursion on Terra. So there was this huge demon incursion. I mean, millions upon millions of demons invaded Terra in the 40K timeline. Mm. And so this Vaults of Terra talks about that time and when Gilliman came back because all the High Lords were not happy about that. Understandably. Yeah, understandably. Those are the books I would read first. Then there is a series so far of two books called Watchers of the Throne, which are fascinating. And I have talked about these before, but it's basically a custodian and a sister of silence. That's who the main characters are. And it's really cool to see their interaction. And again, it gives you that background of what's going on on Terra before Gilliman even leaves on the crusade. Then we have Dawn of Fire, which we know about, that series, and we're in book one of three now Mm -hmm. in terms of most access to people. I'm going to talk about it in a second. So I would start reading Dawn of Fire next after Watchers of the Throne. Now, I threw in Destruction of Ball. Okay. Because if you were a Blood Angels fan, you're probably going to want to read this story because it is... The t- it's Tyranids of Blood Angels, but it really gives you an interesting perspective about the Blood Angels and the Primaris Project. So sure. I think it's important. But after Dawn of Fire, then you should start reading the Dark Imperium trilogy by Guy Haley. And there's two of those three books are out so far. If you read Dark Imperium and then you read Dawn of Fire, you're going to be going, what? The timeline doesn't work out. But if you read Dawn of Fire first, and I'm reading it now, then, and I've already read the first two books, of course, it's like, all that stuff starts making sense then in Dark Imperium. So that's where that retcon thing we talked about originally came into play. So there's like 10 or 12 years Yeah, they're now. explaining that that space in between right. in a more condensed state. And it makes sense if you read the books in this order. Yeah. It's really good. That's my recommended reading order for everybody. If you are interested in the Indomitus era, and I think most people who are readers are interested in the lore of 40K would be, I want to talk briefly about... Avenging Sun, which is the book, the first Dawn of Fire book. It is absolutely excellent. I'm going to say it's one of the best 40K books I have read. Wow, that is... It is so good because it sets up so many things that you need to understand about this time in the 40K lore. You literally have a time, Brendan, in the book where you are seeing a Primaris Marine 
quote, born. You see it from the perspective of the techs who are in the lab. Because basically there's this glass tube full of goo and there's something inside, right? And they're getting it ready and they're turning all the dials and doing this stuff. Then all of a sudden it switches to the guy inside who's a Primaris Marine. And he's like, I got to get out of here. It's like he's got claustrophobia or something. So he starts punching the glass, his bare hands, right? And the glass cracks and all of a sudden the text kind of back away. But you're, you're getting his perspective on getting out of this thing and literally coming to life. True. You've never seen that before with Primaris. You always just read about them. Yeah, they, they exist. Right. They are there. And you learn that Call in his Indominus project literally was going out and he was kidnapping people to make them... Primaris. And, and you're you're getting Ooh. the story on this guy going Not he was great. he was a ganger, right? And he's running through the under the undercity and these people are chasing him. He's like mechanicus guys are chasing him. He's like, what the heck is going on? And they capture him. And you're like, wow, that was really creepy. Like this is where the Primaris come from. And then you're getting all these perspectives. So you're really learning what a Primaris is, where they came from, what the project was. You're getting all these interactions between Call and Gilliman. Hmm. And so that is just being laid out so beautifully. And the other part of it is they're actually, he's actually laying out when the crusade fleets were being formed as they were being sent out. Sure. You know, they're on Terra, they're on Mars, and there's just like thousands of ships and these different fleets. Strongly, strongly recommend it in terms of understanding the Indominus era. Really excellent book. Okay. So if I didn't pick up a Graham McNeil book, because I wanted to finish this one, it's good. <laughs> Just telling you. So I put off Fury of Magnus for this. So that's it for Scriptorium. And let us move on to this or that. Okay, Brendan. Hello. I'm going to go first this time. Okay. Okay. That I works. usually give you the choice, but my first question is, if you had to choose... For from June from July later, if okay. you had to choose one event that you could guarantee would come back this year, one event that's mm-hmm. it. Which event would it be for the rest of the year? Oh wow, I get one event for the rest. That's of it. The year. You have to choose one that you know is going to. You have the ability to choose and make that one happen. Midwest meltdown because I'm going to see most of my friends. Mm-hmm. I was thinking when I came up with this question, you that one or NashCon, I was thinking where the two you might pick. Hmm. But yeah, I, I think at this point, it's just a matter of like seeing these people I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, I would agree. That's that's a good choice. Okay. Gloomspite. You wanted to do destruction? Yep. So I'm going to give you two choices. You can either have a spider army or a troll army. I think it'd be a troll army. Why? It plays more into what I do well. Mm-hmm. where there's uh, quite a bit of staying power in an individual troll versus the spiders where you have to be do the kind of thing that I've been learning with like the Beast of Chaos, which is just like die slow enough to win the game, yeah. which is a very uncomfortable play style for me. I think spiders kind of fit into the same group. Okay, so you take trolls. All right. Let's assume you are not in any RPG campaigns right now. Okay. And two people approach you. One of them is running a D&D campaign, and one of them is running a Soulbound campaign. I'd like to know which one and why you would pick that particular campaign. I would probably still take D&D, 
I haven't done very much since our Soulbound episode in terms of like mm-hmm. learning, sure, you know how it all totally functions. <laughs> I feel very comfortable in D and D, yeah, and I definitely had concerns with the Soulbound mechanics. Mm. You know, it's my fault <clears throat> for not learning what that ends up like looking like. I know Mephisto runs campaigns and stuff like that, but I just haven't taken the time to you know sit down and and watch those Soulbound shows specifically. Sure, okay. Yeah, I got my hard copy book, which was really exciting. So mm-hmm. I was looking through that and stuff. And uh, yeah, I would take D&D or Soulbound at this point. Any okay. kind of RPG. Um, you have to pick two monsters in Sigmar that you have not built or painted. Okay. And I want to know what those two monsters would be uh, this year. Like a goal that you would come up with. Yeah, so big models that I haven't built and painted. Right. You maybe built them, but you haven't painted them. Mm. But it's pretty limited. So it's... So I'll take um, Lord of Change, because I have several of those at my house. One of those will be the Lord of Change. And then I think the other one that I'd want to do would be... You have them built. Yeah, they're built. But not painted. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Several of them. Okay. (laughs) And then in terms of like another monster, Mm -hmm. I think the Leviathan. Oh, okay. That would be be another one. Giant turtle, okay. Cool model. There's yeah, cool things you can do with the shell and like the different skin and you know the guys on top. Nice. Okay, that would be good. Then the last one is I want to know at this point in the season who your two picks are for the Super Bowl. I'm still on the Chiefs and the Patriot, uh, the Chiefs and the Packers. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Over to you, Dan. Hey. Are you more excited about a Demon Rule rewrite? For Heat Knights of Slanesh, or the brand new rules for the mortals. It's not even close. Okay. I'm glad I started you off on an easy one. Yeah, it is mortals for sure. Those models that I see are just very exciting, and all the options for play style and stuff are just really, really cool. So I'm looking forward to seeing that book and seeing what we can do with it. Okay. Yeah, for sure. If you were to take on a painting project, Mm. as I am working on in 2021 what start collecting box would you be most interested in painting as as just a one-off not necessarily building it out to a full army but just painting the start collecting box cool there's a lot of choices yeah yeah it doesn't have to be sigmar doesn't have to be 40k either or okay i think it'd be gloomspite Okay. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. There's yeah, a nice the choice of squigs. There's a nice choice of models and stuff I haven't painted before. So that's always fun when you have to come up like you're thinking about, you know, how you have to come up with colors and stuff like that. I always love having to look at my hundred plus, you know, dropper bottles and figure out what colors are going with what. Sure. So no, that'd be fun. Yeah, okay. I definitely would do Gloom Spite. Of your goals for twenty twenty one, which of those do you think is going to be most difficult for you to achieve? Man, I think the getting the Space Wolves done, the 120 points. Okay. I know I'm going to want to get that display board done. And that's going to take a while to get that done and to collect the components and stuff that I want to make it cool. I've got some ideas. and But getting motivated to stay on that. And then I've also got Beast Claw Raiders. And even though it's not a lot of models, I want to make sure every one of them turns out beautifully. So that's going to take some time, too. Sure. And between those two projects, the Space Wolves are definitely third on the list. So I think it might be something that I'm not able to get to that power level. That's, that's still a lot of models. 
So we'll see. I think that'll be the toughest one for me. It's fair enough. Fourth question. At time of recording, Sunday the 10th, tomorrow the 11th, is the College Football National Championship game being played between the Ohio State Buckeyes versus the Alabama Crimson Tide. Who's going to win? Okay, that's a... Who do I want to win versus who do I think is going to win? I will take both. Okay. I want Ohio State to win. Okay. I really do because to me, they're... Well, they're definitely an underdog considering who Alabama is. Alabama is just... God, that team is a juggernaut. It is insane. I hope that Ohio State wins because they really come in with a handicap in terms of the number of games. We've talked about this before. They've been able to play this year. But when you look at their last few games, they have really turned it up. They have turned it on so hard. And I'm really happy to see how successful they've been. So I would like Ohio State to win for sure. Just don't see them winning if I have to put money on it. Okay. Last question. So recently, and by recently, I mean in the last like couple months, a liquor warehouse opened nearby. Oh, <laughs> Cindy's got a big smile on her face because we went there. Yeah. And the reason I'm asking is, is because of that exactly. And you guys went on a whiskey shopping kind of. adventure. Yeah. You know, yeah. There, there were other things involved. Oh, yeah. What is the one bottle that oh. you are most excited Brent. Because like, I, I know you haven't cracked them all open, so the, the question no. of what is your favorite isn't fair. Which is the one you're most excited, most looking forward to? Oh, man. I, Brent, that is an impossible question because we got... Finally, I have asked the perfect question. Yes, because I kind of wanted to find a single malt, you know, something that I knew or something we were familiar with, like a Talisker or an Oban or something sure. that we, we knew and we liked. But there were like a bazillion bottles of stuff in a darn store. And so we ended up picking up like... I don't know, 10 or 12 of those little mini bottles, you know? I don't know. I think the we picked up, what, two or three Irish creams that look kind of good, Cindy, I think. So I think one of those might be fun to try because we're used to Bailey's, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it is the what standard, it is. yeah. Yeah, and so there was other stuff. So I think I'd kind of, of all of them, like to try those the most. Okay. But we got so many different things. It was just it was such a fun experience and everybody in the store was super helpful uh, all the staff and everything it was it was pretty cool experience yeah so if you're in the Milwaukee area I would definitely recommend you hit up this store up it, I think it was Total Wine is what it's called up yep. at Bayshore so definitely stop by there. there's one by was... our games workshop as well okay and yes. Ty has told me of his adventures and <laughs> okay he knows coming exactly. out with a much lighter wallet oh man brutal but but exciting stuff so. cool those are my five. Okay, on we go. Then to the show close. Yep. There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. Episode 66. We are going to do two things. One, at least we're planning on doing two things. First, we're going to do a brief 40K facts summary. We talked about that earlier in the show. And again, just hit the highlights. We are not going to deep dive this thing at all because it's just monstrous. And just the important things that we think you would enjoy knowing about. There are a couple of things, even Sigmar listeners, that you might find interesting because it just highlights the fundamental difference in the two games. Sure. And one of the first things I'm going to talk about is turn order and stuff like that. And that'll be an interesting discussion in itself. So we're going to do that. And then, Brendan, you are going to come up with, and we are going to discuss finally, because we've talked about, you've talked about doing this, a getting good at Sigmar checklist. Yes, I have homework to do. Yes, and this will be really fascinating to see what you come up with. And I think it'll be an interesting and useful 
discussion for a lot of people. And uh, we hope you'll enjoy that. But that's it for 66. And I would think we'll come back in a couple weeks. It'll be too long a break. Yeah, back to regular scheduling, yeah, I think. I think so. And we'll see where we go from there. But otherwise, thank you as always, my friend. Yeah, no and problem. I know you're you had some news. You got you you have a new job. I do. Congratulations. Thank you. Really, really happy for you. And looking forward to getting some good report out of that and getting stories and stuff <laughs> as we, we move forward. But that's just wonderful. Really happy for you, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you, listeners, as always, for being with us. And we will look forward to seeing you next time around. Take yeah. care, everybody. Bye. This is the end.